Shadow of the Hook by Wolfgang Wimmers Passage 5, Part 2 Continuing from where we left off with the four companions at the edge of the gloom forest. But what's that? Over there near that shack. Out near the back of a roughly built shack, the goblins amassed in the dim. The darkest of witches appeared with a crack, tall pointed hat, silvery brim. A flick of her hand and a glowing wisp grew to lighten the dark in that place. But the brightest of suns could never make fair the veining that spidered her face. She'd summoned the goblins, the snarvels and hobs, Galumps with their nested wasp weapons, then cast a dark spell to bamboozle the mob, so their minds would confuse and then deaden. Her terrible breath froze the frigid surrounds that were freckled with frost to begin. She ordered the goblins to gather around for schemings of mischievous grim. A crooked black wand was clamped in her hand, pointing deep into snow-covered woods. The great goblin army obeyed her command, marching past where the wicked witch stood. She watched as they trudged with a terrible glare, as her frozen foul fingertips flexed. Her snivelling sneer Sally reached ear to ear, while she thought of her enemies wrecked. The goblins were brainwashed and set to the task. She marched them through wintry woes. The freeze underneath of their chattering teeth led to chilly green frostbitten toes. Oscar, l lad, are, are you okay? asked Ash. Oscar turned back to the others. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine, just, just thinking, he said. I, I guess we should get on our way. Ash nodded his agreement and called to Rosa and Corby that it was time to go. They all turned to face the dark forest that rose tall before them. Uh, that, th th that, that way, said Quilby, pointing into the trees where no apparent trail was in sight. The companions crunched off in the suggested direction. The pine trees kept most of the snow off the ground, so the orange-brown carpet of needles provided noisy distraction and put a slight spring in their steps. Rosa glanced back. William was following along placidly, his one lonely horn dipping with every step. Uh, hey guys, she said, I'm, I'm sorry about that before. When I got upset about the unicorn, and, and about the fairy note too, I guess. No need to apologise, young one. I, I just, well, so many fantastic and magical things have happened since yesterday. It's, it's all been unbelievable. And I just so much wanted to see a beautiful unicorn too. She hung her head low and mumbled, I... I was really hoping for something more than a goat. There are many things in our world that, that are more than what they seem, Rosa, said Quilby. William here may surprise us yet. When you really think about it, who's to say he's... Not a unicorn. 
Rosa was a little confused by this. Could a goat be a unicorn too? Was it all just a matter of how you looked at things? Did it really matter what name you gave something? Hmm. Oscar had also been deep in thought. Turning to Ash, he said, Hey, were you named Ash because you're actually a fire-breathing dragon in fairy disguise? Quilby snorted a laugh. Ash smiled and looked up at Oscar. Ah, so close, lad, but still so far. Better than any of Quill's guesses, though. They walked on for a while in silence. Ash's broken wings twitched. It was too silent. Where were the birds? The further they travelled into the forest, the more uncomfortable Ash became. Something wasn't right. And Ash was right to be concerned. Indeed, they were being watched by something in the woods, silent and staring, slinking from tree to tree, unheard and unseen. The deeper they went into the forest, the thicker the trees, and the darker the surrounds. Although it was only mid-afternoon, it may as well have been dusk. It was beginning to creep Oscar out. What is this place? he asked. Quilby stopped and looked up at him. Ah, uh, yes, uh, we call this the gloom forest. It, uh, it gets darker the closer you g g g get to its centre, he said, then added quickly. Oh, and also there's the haughty how-how. Avoiding Oscar's eye and hastily resuming his usual upbeat tone, Quilby went on. Uh, yes, so off this way, uh, for friends, deeper into the f f f forest Come along, everyone! He chattered on. Did I ever tell you how to tell the time using j j just a sun, a wolf tooth, and, and a vine? Actually, he said, motioning toward a dim pathway up ahead, we should probably go this way. It's uh, uh, quite... D d dark, isn't it? Um, well, come to think of it, we, we may need a, a torch soon. Hang on a minute, Quill, Oscar said. Let me stop you right there. There was something you said just before that I didn't quite catch. Well, well first you t t tie the wolf tooth to the vine using a brownie knot. It's not too difficult to stop, Quill. You're covering something up. What did you say before that? Oscar asked. Somewhere within the forest is the what? Yeah, Quill. Uh, what's a haughty how-how? Asked Rosa, who had been following the exchange intently. Quill looked a touch out of sorts. His round cheeks glowed red as he shook his head, declining to speak. <clears throat> Ash said. What uh, my companion Quill here is uh, trying very hard not to say is that this uh, forest is supposed to be, well, haunted uh, by the ghost of a giant dog, um, otherwise known as the Haunted Howl Hound. Noticing the immediate concern on Oscar and Rose's faces, he hastened to add, But, but, not to worry, kids. Quilby and I have been through here before. As long as we stay out of the very darkest part of the forest, we should be just fine. If you ask me, 
I don't believe the horny how-how even exists. Do you think it could be the ghost of a nice, friendly dog? asked Rosa. Ash smiled. Well, let's just hope we don't have to find out. Yeah, Oscar said. Uh, either way, let's go quietly until he stopped suddenly as a chilling, deep sound issued from the dark forest ahead. Rosa clutched Oscar's arm. Ah, uh, that was good timing, said Ash, an uncomfortable smile appearing on his face. Quilby began hurrying them all forward. C come on, C come on, l let's get moving, he said. We're not going into the deep of the forest. We'll be fine, children. Come on. They continued on, cautiously and quietly, into the deep forest, until Quilby motioned them toward an upward-leading path. The forest that way looked like it was clearing up and getting lighter, and the group all began to feel a little easier. They headed up the path. Came the sound again, loud and lingering, bringing a chill to their bones. The party moved a little faster, but only a couple of bends in the path later, they were stopped in their tracks. A huge fallen pine was completely cutting off the path, its great roots dangling in the air. The earth and rocks around the tree base had slipped as well, leaving a dangerous-looking rubble. The companions searched for a way through, but the rubble looked too steep and unsafe to cross. Oh, what do we do now? Oscar asked. Well, there are other paths we, we could take, but they pass close by the very heart of the forest, said Quilby. And... We all know what may or, or, or may, may not lie there. Oscar tried to build up his courage. So, has anyone actually seen this ghost dog? I love dogs, and they usually love me. And maybe it will be friendly, or maybe we won't even see it. Or, you know, it might even be afraid of us. And anyway, I'm not sure if I even believe in ghosts. And to think, yesterday you didn't even believe in gnomes and fairies, said Rosa, putting a comforting hand on his arm. I'm a bit scared too, Oski, she continued. But between Quilby's magic, your strength and Ash's bravery, I know we'll get through this. And don't forget yourself, lass, said Ash. Your sense of wonder and belief has a magic all its own. Thanks, Ash. Rosa said, giving him a smile and an affectionate squeeze. Ash returned her smile with a bashful smile of his own, before becoming serious once more. Now, I don't want to alarm anyone further, but ever since we've uh, entered the gloom, I've had the strange sense that something's been watching us. Oscar and Quill peered at the surrounding forest, searching for a sign of someone or something. Do you think it's the dog? Rosa asked, clasping Oscar's hand tightly. It, it may be nothing. It, it may just be my own fear spooking me, said Ash. No sooner than he said this than a loud commotion came from the forest around them. A thunderous crashing and snapping of branches. What's, what's that? asked Rosa, grasping her brother's hand. 
Hide! cried Quilby, darting back and forth across the path. But there was nowhere to go. The forest was impenetrable to either side, their path blocked by the fallen tree. The crashing became increasingly loud, the noise seeming to come from all around them, closer and closer. Is it, is it this grubble, or, or is it the dog? asked Rosa, peeking out from behind Oscar. Huddle together! It's all we can do! said Ash, his face fearful as he held his club at the ready. All at once the crashing ceased, as something very large leapt onto the trail, its cloven hoofs clunkering down on the earth below. It was a huge brown beast, with a huge rack of antlers sitting regally upon its head. Its large eyes tracked the companions, and jets of hot steam shot from its nostrils, billowing up toward the sky. It was the biggest deer Oscar and Rosa had ever seen. The fairy folk clung to one another, wide-eyed, staring at the huge buck clopping back and forth, watching them. A couple more billowing breaths later, the buck twisted his neck back toward the hole he had made in the foliage. A light crunching of twigs revealed a female doe and two baby deer emerging from the gap. The buck flicked his horns toward the path, and the family slowly walked away in that direction, their large brown eyes never leaving the four huddled figures as they passed them. The companions continued to clasp one another for a few long moments until Rose's voice broke the silence. I almost peeped my pants. The group collapsed into fits of laughter. <laughs> said Oscar. I think I peeped a little too, Rosa. As they laughed and chatted, the tension lifted. But not for long. It was a chilling sound. Chilling to the bone. The companions headed back down the track and set off down a path leading into the darkest part of the forest. As they went, a shadowy figure stealthily detached itself from its hiding place. Slowly and silently it slunk through the trees, stalking the companions. Oblivious to their pursuer, the four tramped down the winding path toward the dark heart of the gloom forest. The howling continued to sound every few minutes, increasing in volume as they walked. Each time the group bunched closer together for comfort. They crept along, trying not to make any noise. Even William stepped quietly, seeming to sense the dangers the group faced. After a time they came to another fork in the path. The left-hand fork led down into greater darkness, and the right hand led up into the light. As one, they crept towards the right-hand path. They'd had no luck with their last two-direction choices. Could this be third time lucky? Wait a minute. Do you smell that? asked Ash. They all sniffed the air. <laughs> Smoke, Ash said. From a campfire. And... Roasting meat. He sniffed again. And mulled mulberries. They all nodded their agreement. Delicious smells continued drifting to them on the wind, from the left-hand path. And the howling seemed to be coming from exactly the same direction. Hmm. I have a feeling that our hearty how-how might not be quite what we thought it was, said Ash 
an adventurous twinkle in his eye. "'Shall we get to the bottom of this?' he asked the group. The others looked at one another in excitement, but a little fear too. "'Okay, but, but uh, we should be extra careful,' said Quilby. The, the, "'The folk who drink mulled mulberries may not be trustworthy.' "'All right, Ash, let, let's take a look,' said Oscar. Rosa looked unsure and clung to her brother's arm. "'Come on, sis. We'll be all right,' he assured her. The four strode down the left-hand path, William trotting along behind into the deep and dark. They clung close and crept quietly, the soft pine needles and snow dampening their steps. The shadowy trail twisted through tree trunks and damp earth, but, just as they seemed to be entering its darkest corner, a small campfire appeared, with a soft orange glow in a dim clearing ahead. They slowed to a crawl and edged towards the opening. The clearing was a perfect circle. Red and white spotted mushrooms grew around its outer edge. A fairy circle, Ash said, his broken wings twitching again. Very interesting. Despite the light of the campfire, the clearing was still quite dimly lit, and it was hard to see. At the far side of the clearing stood a small, crooked, moss-covered house. In front of the house, a crackling fire blazed. A large lidded pot dangled above the fire pit, hanging from a suspended iron bar and steaming at the sides. Various other pots, pans and cauldrons sat in and around the fire. Clearly a big meal was being prepared, and it smelt delicious. Oscar scanned the scene. Something to the right of the house caught his eye, but he couldn't quite believe what he saw. He took a closer look and, sure enough, there... Resting on a large boulder was a huge, burly, bearded fellow, almost as big as a grown human man. He was hunched over a wooden sill that jutted out from the house wall, peering in through a large cut-out hole in the wall. A giant, said Ash, pointing in the fellow's direction. You, you, you're starting to sound a little bit like me there, Ash. Quilby said quietly, patting Ash on the back. Hmm, he, he certainly is large, but he, he, he doesn't really look like a giant. They all studied the large brute. Actually, you're, you're right, said Ash. He turned to Oscar and Rosa, whispering, this, this fellow looks to be made of flesh and bone, whereas giants are usually made of the earth elements they are named after. For example, ice giants are made of ice, frosty cold. Fire giants are made of fire, and stone giants, rock. Don't get me started on mountain giants. The door of the house opened, and a small figure came striding out. He wore long pointed shoes and a grubby apron, atop a grass green outfit. In spite of his light green skin and greasy olive hair, he was the most handsome creature the children had ever seen. He's so pretty, said Rosa. What is he? He, my dear, is a goblin, came a smooth voice from the trees behind them. The companions yelped and jumped in alarm, except for William, 
who had wandered away and was softly headbutting a mushroom. As they turned to follow the voice, it spoke again. Well then, I guess you don't seem too dangerous. Now you've found us, you'd better come in and tell us what you're doing here. The speaker was a thin and graceful creature, two feet tall, with slightly golden skin and almond eyes. He wore a forest green cap that held back just enough of his blonde hair to reveal small, round ears. The rest of his clothes seemed to meld into the forest behind him, likely some kind of magical camouflage. Oscar stepped forward. I'm Oscar, he began, and this is my sister Rosa. These two fellows are Quilby, the gnome, and Ash, the fairy, and we two, he waggled a finger back and forth between his sister and himself, are humans. Indeed you are, the speaker replied. I've been following you silently for quite some time. But your clumsy introduction prompts more questions than answers, I'm afraid. Please allow me to introduce myself properly, he said, standing proudly, head tilted back just a little. I am Spoonton Knifeer, and I am an elf. Now, if you don't mind, he said with a flourish of his hand, I have a lovely long song of introduction for you. Rosa's face wrinkled in confusion. She looked at Quilby questioningly, back to the elf, then to Quilby once more. Pointy ears? She mouthed soundlessly at the gnome, making pointed shapes over her own ears with her hands. Humph, Spoonton said, noticing this. Well, I never interrupted before I even began. Well, now you've brought it right out in the open, human girl child, I will tell you. It's true. I was born with a defect amongst the elvish, perfectly round ears. I am shunned by my own kind, thought of as a lesser elf. My family, the Knife Ear Clan, are known for having the pointiest of pointy ears. And it was much to their disgust that I was born, well, well-rounded, you could say. So lucky me. I was named after a spoon. The group fought off the need to chuckle. Spoonton continued. Well, it seems introductions are out then and insults are in. Your loss. I didn't mean... began Rosa, blushing with embarrassment. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry for what I... The elf cut her off. Not to worry, my dear. While I may be a little offended, there's no harm done and all is forgiven. I think you'll find we're all a little odd and out of place around here. Come on. Come on. We may as well head on in, and you can tell me your story. As he began leading them on into the clearing, he looked over at William. Nice goat, he said. They crossed over the ring of mushrooms, Ash in the rear keeping an eye out for any sign of the grubble prowling about. As the group approached the fire, Spoonton spoke to the small greenish goblin who was now tending the flames. Fungus, it seems we have guests joining us for supper. Turning back to the travellers, he said, Everyone, this is Fungus Nutbottom. He's our super good-looking goblin and also our chef. Fungus eyed them one by one, snorted, then spoke in a whiny nasal tone. Go on inside and get yourself sorted then. He shook his head in disapproval and went back to stirring his pots. Oscar turned to Ash, giving him a little nudge. 
At least he sounded like I imagined a goblin should. Ash smiled a hearty grin and winked. Leading them over to the side of the house and gesturing towards the huge, large-nosed humanoid sitting there, Spoonton announced, This, ladies and gents, is our beloved hound and giant dwarf, Philip Halfcup. Pleasure! Philip boomed. Then, turning away, he continued in a voice that was a low rumble of thunder. Hold on a moment, if you would, and cover your ears. He reached back and retrieved an enormous cone-shaped seashell from behind his boulder. Putting his mouth to its end, he puffed out his huge, round cheeks and blew. The sound was almost deafening at such close range. The visitors only uncovered their ears when they were sure the howling had stopped. Wow, that was loud, said Oscar. Why is he making these hound sounds, Spoonton? Dear boy, we would rather be left alone. So we started a rumour about an ancient, evil ghost hound that wandered these woods. As you can see, that ghost hound is none other than our very tall fellow, Philip. The strategy seems to have worked well for us so far, well... Until right now. Oscar turned to Philip. So, are you a giant? Or a dwarf? Or or both? Little ones, Philip said, stroking his long beard. I come from a family of warrior dwarves. But they say I was born in a giant's burrow. Perhaps some of its magic rubbed off on me. I grew. Big. He smiled a large grin with few teeth. Enough now, said Spoonton. Come inside and join us. 